0: morning we want to continue on our journey as we look at the discussion that we're happening with the story of the exodus experience and as we had picked up as we had talked about we had left uh, with God directing Moses to go into Egypt with Aaron in that whole discussion so we're going to pick up if you would we're going to go to chapter 6 of exodus chapter 6 at the very end of it Uh, there is where the Lord picks up and directs uh, Moses and Aaron on what they are to do. And so verse 28 says, and now, now when the Lord spoke to Moses, he said to him, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you, the Lord said. But Moses, he said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Good question. And then the Lord, in chapter 7, going to chapter 7, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother will be your prophet. We've talked about that, how he would speak, and how that would work Before in a previous two weeks ago. But here it is brought up again, and he said, you are to say everything I command you, and your brother is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you, the Lord said. He will not listen to you. Now, that brings up a question that we have to ask ourselves as we think about that. Is it really true that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? And if so, then doesn't that seem inappropriate? That he would then turn around and punish him for it with the plagues. That is a question that raises people say, how could he do that? How could God harden his heart like that and make him, make him that way? Well, it's a Hebrew expression, actually, and it didn't when we read it and see that like that, it's not that God hardened their hearts, it's that the events, he made his own choice to harden his heart. And we read about that Patriarchs of Prophets, it says, God gave Pharaoh the most striking evidence of divine power, but the monarch stubbornly refused to heed the light. Every display of infinite power rejected by him rendered him the more determined in his rebellion. Well, that's, that statement came also came from also the Bible writers who in 1 Samuel 6, 6 said, Why do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh did? They all understood that they were that Pharaoh was not being told it was not hardening his heart, because God had done that, but the events that caused him to do that, and he hardened his heart stubbornly instead of surrendering. Okay, back to chapter seven. We'll pick up there, back to chapter seven. Verse four, and then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and my mighty acts of judgment I will bring out my divisions and my people. And the Egyptians will honor excuse me, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out. The mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. It is fascinating, the mighty hand of God demonstrated his actions when Israel was unable to help themselves. They were unable to save themselves. They were unable to do anything. They were captive. And so the mighty hand of God reaches out. Just as we are caught in sin and we are unable to help ourselves out, the mighty hand of God reaches out to us. So the mighty hand of God, and so the Bible says, verse 6, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, and Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. See, John, they were young people like you. They were only 80 and 83 when they started their (laughs) real ministry to go. Some of you that are much younger than that, that, you have to step up to your ministry here and get going. Isn't that right? Uh, Bill, isn't that right? Get going. That's right. So when Pharaoh, uh, verse 9, when uh, when, uh, the Lord said, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. Remember that happened when he was at the burning bush, right? So Moses and Aaron, they go in before Pharaoh. They go in and make that that presentation to him, and they go and they ask him for that. And then when they did that, Pharaoh summoned, Pharaoh, verse 11, Pharaoh summoned wise men and sorcerers and Egyptian magicians also did the same thing with their secret arts. They cast down their staff, and sure enough, it turned into snakes. Isn't that fascinating? But, verse 12, Each threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Why? Because the staff of God represented the mighty arm of God, the mighty hand of God. It was God's staff. It was not just Aaron's staff he happened to have along. It was the staff that God had taken, and they were taking around. This staff was the symbol of God's great power, verse 13. Yet... Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. Just as said. And that's why we get to the word arrogance. He had this arrogance about him. Believing, I know better. I know everything. I don't need anything from you. I know, I know. Don't bother me. And isn't it fascinating that now the Lord begins to attack the gods of Egypt? And each one, that he goes through these plagues or attack at, what Egypt had held as being one of the gods, one of their many gods. And so there the Lord went after them and attacked them. And the first plague came along, and the first plague came to the Nile. We've talked about how sacred they thought the Nile was, how they thought that that came from the gods, and the gods were there. And he turned the, by touching and by going down, and the Nile River turned to blood. So bad was it that it was blood that the Egyptians, everybody, had to dig water wells themselves so they could get water to drink because they couldn't drink that. And it went into their rivers and it went everywhere, the blood. Now, in our current world, modern science thinks it can explain some of these things. Well, you go to the Nile and sometimes they get silt from the, from the mud and they can kind of look kind of reddish. And, and so that happens from time to time, depending on the season. Isn't it interesting that people who don't want to believe try to find and reason around it, just like they did in Pharaoh's time? Isn't it interesting that God would give them an opportunity to choose, to respond? So Pharaoh hardened his heart, said, no, we're not going to do that. So God was happy to supply them with another plague. And along came the frogs. Frogs like crazy came out of the rivers and out of the Nile and went everywhere so thick that they piled them up. And Pharaoh finally in verse 8, he said, He summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord, you're to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. They piled up in heaps and they reeked with them. Can you imagine the smell? But the Bible says in verse 15 when Pharaoh saw that there was relief and the Lord had answered his prayer. He hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. So the Lord came and was happy to send Moses back in and said, Okay, well, let's take and we'll give them gnats or lice. Same type of idea. Went over, and you can imagine how unpleasant this would be. When you have millions and millions and millions of gnats and lice everywhere over on your food, all over your body, all over your animals, all over the ground. I was living in, um, in uh, Kerman, California. Kerman is a farming community just outside Fresno. Maybe some of you are familiar with that. They were having uh, the cotton and alfalfa was what they grew a lot there. Uh, lots of cotton, lots of alfalfa. And across the street from me was a big cotton field. And I remember when the worms, the little creepy and crawling worms, by the millions, were going in, the crop dusters had to come in to kill them. But the whole, you'd look down our street and you'd just see the whole street in motion, headed towards my house. I go, oh, this was worse! everywhere, gnats. So then the magicians, they came to Pharaoh and said, this is the finger of God that is happening. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen. You can say it with me, just as the Lord had said. So he sent him flies that's enough. Let's see how you do with flies. So they say, can you imagine this? The, 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 the millions and millions of all of sudden flies everywhere, everywhere they're going, all around the mess. They're on. Now, I don't care for flies that um, happened? I remember that there was a one at camp meeting that kept following me, and every year it seemed to show up and bother me at camp meeting when I was there. And, and I got Irritated about it, But there are just millions and millions of flies. Means, mm-hmm. But this time, verse 32, chapter 8, but this time, also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. We could add, and just as the Lord had said. Just as the Lord chapter 9, just slip into chapter 9, we'll slip over there, and the Lord said, now go tell Pharaoh, go tell Pharaoh, verse 2, go tell Pharaoh to let them go, uh, and continue to hold, uh, excuse me, if you refuse to let them go, and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock, in the field, and on your horses, and donkeys, and camels, and on your cattle, and sheep, and goats, but the Lord, the Lord will make a distinction, between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. Now, at the end of the world, there are seven last plagues. Not all of the plagues will fall on the righteous. Here we see an example, an example in Egypt of the plagues, and now the plagues no longer are going to affect the Israelites. So there came the plague of the livestock. And dead, dead. Death of their livestock everywhere that happened. Yet, verse 7, Pharaoh's heart was unyielding and he would not let the people go. Just as the Lord had said. Next one came up, the plague of boils. Ouch. All over their bodies. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. You see, the mighty hand of God got stronger and stronger and closer and closer. And then the Lord said to Moses, verse 13, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord and the God of the Hebrews says. Let my people go so that they may worship me or at this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so that they may know that there is no one like me in all the earth, for by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague and that you would be wiped off the earth." But I have raised you up, the Lord said. Listen, look at the grace. I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I may show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And plague number seven came, that of the hail. Now the hail came down, and if you took shelter, you could be safe. You could bring your animals in, and you would be safe. But if you left them out, and if you were outside when the hailstorm came, and with it, you would be slain. And what a mess that made as the hail came. Now, I've been in hail the size of golf balls. I've been in that. Some people maybe have been in hail larger. And boy, the damage that can do to your car. I saw a passer. He had been coming to some meetings over in, in Washington State. And he had driven his little Toyota. And he got caught out in a hailstorm on his way as he was heading from Idaho uh, into Washington State, and he got in a hailstorm, and it looked like his car had been attacked by golf balls, and he had no place. He was hoping to quickly get to a place where he could get under some shelter of some sort, but it was too late, and his hood and all over the top of his car and everything looked like somebody had dropped a bunch of golf balls all over it. Oh, what a mess that was. Well, you can imagine being out and then when they're big like baseballs or larger and being struck by them, a lightning and thunder and going. And finally, Pharaoh got so upset with this, he said, I have sinned. I have sinned. Please, please stop it. I have sinned against your God. Please make it stop. I am God. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. So Moses pleaded to the Lord. Lord, stop the hail. Verse 34, and when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again, the Bible says. He and his officials, they did what? They hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. So now the Lord sends locusts for whatever's left over from the hail, the fields. Ah, here comes the locusts, and they went through by the millions and devoured everything in their path. We don't have that so much here in our country and locusts, but in some parts of the world, it is a serious problem, and it can wipe out and just take people's fields down to nothing in just a matter of a few hours. Verse 16 Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against your God and have sinned against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to your Lord God to take away the deadly plague from me. But the Lord hardened his heart (laughs) and he would not let Israel go. So the Lord sent darkness upon them. Darkness came. Number 9. Darkness came and came all over. And we've had a dark day here before. And we had that in the middle, up in New England prophetically. Predicted of the darkness of the day, the dark day. Well, this was like dark, dark, dark too. Not just a heavy cloud cover, not just smoke from a fire, but black, dark, Isn't it interesting how God was showing to Pharaoh, I'm the one who controls the elements? You know? But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, verse 27, and he was not willing to let them go. Now watch. Verse 28, Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face again, you will die. And Moses replied to him, Just as you say, I will never appear before you again. Pharaoh would not listen. He made up his mind. And it appears that Moses welcomes this. The Bible Bible kind of suggesting that Moses is kind of welcoming Pharaoh's decision. Further interviews, further discussions, fewer coming in, fewer appeals, the plagues would make no difference anymore. And as I was thinking about this and running this over in my mind, about how this happened. Lots of things came to my mind. I'd just like to share a couple with you. First, God was patiently trying to work for Pharaoh's good and that of Egypt, as well as the Israelites. Did you get that? He, he was patiently trying to work with, with Pharaoh. His grace towards him Started out with just just the thing, just the signs and 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 going and showing his hand and calling him. Pharaoh, Pharaoh chose each time to be arrogant. But God was trying to work with him, trying to help him, trying to help him see that things could be good. Knowledge him. Second Peter three nine the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand, slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He is patient with Pharaoh, not wanting anyone to perish, but to everyone come to repentance. He was hoping that Pharaoh, through those things, would turn his heart and say, all right, all right. All right come to him. If you recall, years later, King Nebuchadnezzar had the same kind of confrontation with the Lord, remember? And he saw the images, and he he showed to him exactly what was going to happen, and he kept rebelling against him until finally he was lost his mind, and he was out eating, and eventually came back, and the Bible says, King Nebuchadnezzar then glorified God. He gave and surrendered himself to God, rallying, you are God, you are the one. Perhaps we're going to see King Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. You see, a monarch can acknowledge the God. But once Pharaoh rejected the Lord, God responded. God responded. Next week, we'll look at deliverance. What happened? But this week, as you leave, as you think about this story, as you wrap this around in your mind, think of how God has called you and the way that he had to go. When Jesus called the disciples, some responded right away. Others took a long struggle. Took a long time for Peter to finally come around, even though he was a follower. Judas followed, but then dropped out. Perhaps Paul is such an interesting experience because he kept lowing the scriptures, he kept seeing them, the stoning of Stephen. And it wasn't until he met the Lord on the road to Damascus with a blinding light that he saw and became blind for three days. That finally. Finally, Saul, who became Paul, the greatest Christian missionary that ever lived, he he had to come to that point where he had to make a decision. All of us are left in that moment when we have to make a decision one way or the other. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. It was great upon Mount Carmel. We'll go there, John. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Pharaoh had the opportunity. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Who will you serve? It's a choice we all make. I don't know where your individual journey is. I don't know where you are in your experience. Because only you and God know that. I would hope that you've said, I've decided to follow I've decided to do that. Surrender my arrogance to be a follower. Dear Lord, I thank you for the story of Pharaoh. What a powerful, powerful experience that you share. That we can look into our day, recognize what is coming. I thank you, Lord, for for being so patient with Pharaoh and for, for helping him and, and trying to guide him and giving opportunity after opportunity for him to, to acknowledge who you are, just like King Nebuchadnezzar did. He refused. We all have those choices. We all have that right. Today, may we choose to follow you, to surrender our, our arrogance, Become a follower, a discipler. we we'll be so much happier. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen.